In Alabama Ag and Review for the week of August 20th, we had this on irrigation efforts here in the state. Well, as drought seemed to be the norm here lately, more focus has been put on water quantity. But Dr. Dick McNider with the University of Alabama in Huntsville says at least for our state, it's not as much about having enough water, but more about managing the water that we do have wisely. We think that on average there's plenty of water in Alabama and just have to do a better job of managing it during uh, short times. And so I think uh, uh, systems that can come in and tell us when we can withdraw and when we can't but still use that water when we can for the good of the state is what we're trying to do. And with those thoughts in mind, more growers have begun to look to irrigation for their crop needs. One reason why McNider says they're in the midst of a new study that would help reject crop yields. Well, we're trying a test program just to see whether we can actually run crop models in real time using radar-derived rainfall at high resolution and also other inputs to see whether we can actually make projections of crop yields and stuff as we go through the season using it in a different way than, than it's currently done. And so we hope that that can help provide a better product for estimating yields as we go through the season. And with that goal in mind, the Alabama Office of the National Ag Statistics Service is working along with Dr. McNiner as Alabama Field Director for NAS Bill Weaver explains how they hope this study will help them in their data collection efforts. We hope to support our um, acreage and especially our production estimates because the, what he's doing is developing a, a crop model for various commodities that will give us an idea of what the yield for those crops are, are being realized at any time during the growing season. And with Livestock News, Randall Wiseman had this. The investigation into the case concerning the atypical BSE dairy cow in California back in April has concluded. And when it comes to the last two animals that this cow gave birth to, one was stillborn and disposed of, while the other was humanely euthanized and had negative BSE test results. In addition, 344 birth cohorts were identified and all had records that were traced back. As for possible tainted feed, USDA Chief Veterinarian Dr. John Clifford said they identified 12 feed suppliers, with one now out of business and the other 11 in compliance with the state's food and agriculture requirements. But bottom line to this whole incident, Clifford said they were able to detect this animal. The atypical BSEs can have a little different pattern of the prion or the agent itself in the brain tissue that we're collecting, but we were able to detect this animal with the tests that we currently use, and those tests tend to be very sensitive. And at this point, he does not anticipate any changes. We feel that the program we have in place in the U.S. to protect human health and animal health and the safeguards that we have in place are effective, and the risk of BSE in this country is extremely low. And thus, Dr. Clipper said this closes out this particular case. But I think the U.S. consumer should have confidence in our food supply in the U.S. and the initiative that we have taken both on this issue as well as any future issues relative to BSE. They can be confident in the response that we take and the way we handle that. And we will wrap up for this week with Everett Greiner. This magazine I'm reading uh... I'm not too familiar with, but they have an article on home gardening. And not about how to grow tastier tomatoes or sweeter cucumbers or flatter pole beans. It was about flowers. You know, I didn't have much of an idea that flowers were edible plants. Did you? My yard has always been generously graced with a small variety of blooming flowers. Little did I know that my wife's pansies had a mild wintergreen flavor. I don't think I've ever tasted one of her dandelions, but you can dip them in egg batter, coat them with cornmeal, and fry them. 
Now, on the list of edible flowers were marigolds and calendulas. There were others, but they don't grow in my yard. This might make eating more of an adventure, but I think I'll stick to potatoes, tomatoes, and pole beans. I've never eaten flowers. Wait a minute. Yes, I have. White lily. Almost every morning. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.